0: Grateful for the opportunities to sit under it, in your son's name, Amen. I was in a discussion with Kenneth um, a couple days ago, and it prompted something in my mind. A certain passage came to mind, which is what we're in—Proverbs uh, eight. I said, "I'm going to have to." I said to myself as he was talking, because I tend to ignore him while he's talking. wonder if i looked at that passage what good would there be in it for the saints cuz we were talking generally about the how how to convey wisdom how do you people don't just give someone a proverb they don't become wise having heard the proverb and some of it is is that we don't spend any time you know obviously People know about the Proverbs, and maybe you have favorite Proverbs, Proverbs you have memorized. I do. I have certain portions that I like a lot. Um, but here this book has been staring at us for the last, 2 oh, I don't know, three millennia. And, uh, and people aren't much wiser. We were in a big discussion. Did I mention this last week? A big discussion on stupidity. I'm sure we weren't being stupid, but how, how stupid are people? And this one thinker, an economist out of Berkeley in the 70s, was arguing that it's far greater numbers than you could imagine. And it doesn't matter what other qualities the person has. He says the number of stupid Nobel laureates is just as high as the number of blue-collar stupid people. It doesn't matter what you are. Stupidity is just... And so we know we, that fear is on us because you know you're, you're in a conversation and, and you're wondering if you're one of the stupid ones. Or perhaps life goes on and bad things happen and you're wondering, is this because I'm a fool? Is this happening because I'm a fool? The book of Proverbs for the first nine chapters is this great, Um, parallelism between a bad woman, you know, you know, bad women, and a woman named uh, basically Sophia Wisdom, who they function in very much the same way. Both are crying out to the young men, one to answer their lusts, another to uh, straighten up and fly right, understand what's going on. It's a great section. Read through the first nine chapters. The rest of Proverbs is, you know, Proverbs. But there's a coherence to the first nine chapters. And in chapter 8, it's another one of the portions where Sophia, Sophia is just the name Wisdom, is crying out to people to be wise, to listen to Wisdom. But there's an interesting thing she does in this chapter that I wanted, I wanted to look at. It starts out in verse, on the left-hand side of your sermon notes, the first five verses of the chapter. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, in the paths she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the sons of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O foolish men, pay attention. So it's a good introduction. It's a good introduction. It's one of the common things, just like the adventurous, the woman, you know, the bad woman, is crying out to you as well, based on on other urges. Now... Since we know, we all know. You don't need a pastor to tell you that wisdom is a good thing, and as a good thing, you should you should uh, um, uh, be in search of it. You know that you've been in situations where business decisions, or or personal life decisions, relationship decisions, where you wish you had some wisdom, and you know that passage very well in James. It says, "If you lacks wisdom, let him ask." This is something we We know that wisdom is something that is valuable. And we know when it says simple ones learn prudence. Yeah, okay, that's a little obvious. We ought to. But I want you to know something more than just wisdom as a a good thing. You ever hear people talk about common sense? We we know what common sense is. I guess common sense tells you that this is the... And we think that it is good because it is common sense, or we think it is good because it is wise. We're not really thinking about wisdom. We're not really thinking about this kind of perception. And you ought to, because wisdom is thinking about everything. You can't just grasp the teaching of wisdom and shove it in your extra pocket in your cargo shorts and, and walk away with it as, okay, I learned that at a Christian conference or I learned that as in a Bible study. Yeah, wisdom, it's a good thing. Obviously, you didn't learn it. If you picked up wisdom that way, is one, not prudent. Two, it's not paying attention. Suddenly, if wisdom comes to you, and it's not just, oh, I'm really into worship right now, or I'm really re- into learning things about prayer, I'm really learning things. No, wisdom comes on you like a bat out of hell, because it is everything in this world. Insight about everything in this world. Now, you say, uh-oh, sounds like homework. Well, Yeah but only for the people who want it, really. Verse 6 says, up at the upper right-hand side here, For I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Now, other than reading through it, at least with the RSV, I always feel that that are, I like the RSV because it's a bit more poetic than other translations. You could read probably a better translation. Maybe the New English Bible would be better in how it sounds. But sometimes Proverbs or wisdom literature sounds like, well, wisdom literature, and it's, it's wonderful. And you know that you could put it on a, on a photoshopped thing to put up on Facebook that has a soft-focus tree in a meadow and people just scroll right on by because they don't know if it says King Solomon at the bottom or Andrew Carnegie. You know, you're, you're, What kind of wisdom are you living for? But this kind of wisdom, Sophia is talking here. I will speak is what she says. I want you to consider. Now, I know that Sophia might not be... I, I tend, because I believe... I, I swore to God many years ago that I would just believe what the word says. Now, I also know that Sophia wisdom, as a person, could be a metaphorical usage, I'm not an idiot, but consider for a moment that she might not be. That Sophia may be someone, like death may be someone, like Hades may be someone. We live in a religion where the God himself became a man. Okay? But don't. You're not, you're not violating something by saying, no, I think it's a metaphor, Evan. Don't get weird on me. Okay, keep it a metaphor. But the metaphor is that it's a woman. And there's something satisfying about it. Not just because it's a chick. Not just because we like the ladies. Not just because, because there's something, and this is the wisest king that ever lived writing this stuff, okay? He could have just made it about him, right? You know, and the king said, the king of wisdom said, he wants you to think of it as a woman, There's something uniquely satisfying. Meditate on it, uniquely satisfying about a woman saying, I will speak noble things, what is right, what is true. Noble things, right things, true things. How much, as you look at your own life, male or female, you want to ask yourself, does my mind function this way? about these things to the degree that wisdom suggests it ought. Should I, like I said earlier, pay attention? Am I just grabbing a, a suggestion that wisdom is a good thing and you want to be open to a great saying when you we were, up, uh, we were sitting on the front porch, first time for the season, yesterday with the slag booms and, and a few other people. And John's been reading Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and he was... Uh, coming across sections worth reading aloud. I don't know if you've read Sound of the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, but John has reasons. And it was some interesting stuff. We had a good discussion about the things that came up. You don't want only... Sometimes your, your fortune cookie from Panda Express says something worth thinking about. I hope your life is not filled with that kind of wisdom, those are good wisdoms. It's great when you get a little message from God in the cookie. You do know that if you believe in exhaustive divine determinism, God bent you to have that cookie. So just say it. So take it seriously. But even if you don't believe in exhaustive divine determinism, you got an interesting message in the cookie. Or you got an interesting message in the book by some godless heathen uh, who wrote "Zeta: The Art of Motorcycle Maintenance"? But you got wisdom. But is it enough? Is is that the kind of mind that Sophia has? She speaks noble things. Lip, what is right falls from her lips. She will utter truth because wickedness is an abomination. Look at that description. Do you view it as homework, that the living God wants you to understand something? Or do you see it as noble, right, and true? And you say, well, I don't know, Evan. I I, I see that it's noble, right, and true. And Sophia says, I'm more valuable than gold. Uh, More valuable than silver? right? Silver's in there, too. Oh, and then she adds, uh, jewels, okay. Because all of us, you know how men are about money? Gold and silver. And the women go, tisk tisk. I can't believe you men. Gold and silver. Oh, jewels, did you say? Now, Those are valuable things. Not really. You know that jewels are not really, actually valuable. They're sparkly. There isn't real value in gold and silver. We just decided it was going to be like Bitcoin. But we value it. On someone's suggestion that I get into, you know, doge, what, what coin do you have? What, what sort of Bitcoin do you guys... We're a hip church, I know that. But what kind of... What, Doge? Anybody else? Ethereum. Ethereum? Okay, maybe you're not that hip. All right. All right. <laughs> Can you believe... Because someone told us... Let me see... There's a printing press. When I was young, I lived on the East Coast, and one of the field trips was to the Mint. And we got to watch money come off the press back in the 60s. And here's a $5 bill ripped right down the face of, who's that guy? Lincoln. And, you know, you can't believe that this is not valuable. You can't believe it. If I dropped it, Somewhere, and you notice that I tried to put it in my pocket, but you said it floated down into the piano. And somebody in the back saw it and where it landed. Nobody else saw where it landed. So later after the sermon, at least to return something of value to the pastor, or be up five bucks, you'd go pick up this piece of paper. Because the good faith and credit of the U.S. government told you it was valuable. Now, Sophia, whether you believe she is a real being or not, of God told you she is valuable more so than this. That if there was something written on a piece of paper that you knew was wise and it floated to the ground, somebody had dropped it, or existed in a book, or found some place to be that you had not gone to find it, you have to ask yourself do I consider it valuable? I'm told that it is. Instead of silver, instead of gold, instead of jewels, it's better than. And it's not merely for the crass, it's not merely the professionals or the people that are adding up how well they monetize their life. Some people are just better at those things than other people. There are those of us who are complete idiots when it comes to business. I am one of those people. Maybe that's why I'm a pastor. I'm into history. I'm into art. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Is that the way you measure it? Do you really measure it that way? We're not asking you to Learn some proverbs and learn to apply them and and have one that you put on the fridge every week that you have to develop into your life. You obviously do not value her that way. Who is your favorite actor? When you were a young person, favorite rock star. When you were young, your bedroom was festooned with pictures of, someone from, I don't know, you guys are mostly young, so I don't know what name to say, they'll start sniggering to yourself, going, okay, boomer, you're out of here, you just don't seem to, you were Backstreet Boys? They were not Backstreet, that's two, One Direction, direction? oh, it's so sad, wouldn't it be nice if you had, one, wisdom, two, taste, Bing Crosby. I was born in '54, not 1912. <laughs> um, we know what we we know what we value. You've maybe you've heard me talk before, at least in a child rearing seminar. We talk about the nature of hierarchy. You don't have to teach people how to believe someone is higher than they are. If they go to the concert of the rock star they admire, they will discipline themselves and respectfully bow, touch the hem of the garment of the person on the stage, and vow never to wash that hand again. They understand reverence. They just don't revere their God. They revere Cheryl Crow. They don't revere their God. They revere this one-direction nonsense. We know what it is. We know how to value something. We have to admit. We know what we're supposed to like, righteousness. We're supposed to like knowledge. We're supposed to like nobility. And we should give it the catechism answer if someone asked us. But how we are, what we pursue, what we like is going to be What's on your wall? Who you quote. I wisdom, verse 12, dwell in prudence. That's an interesting image. Prudence is not a place you can dwell. I don't know if you knew that. It's not like Nebraska. But for her, you can say, well, that, that, that is because it's a metaphor, Evan, and you're having a trouble with the metaphor aspect. Okay. But it's a nice image that where she lives is prudential by its nature, the space she's in. And I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord, you're hearing, you want to finish that verse? beginning of wisdom, oh no, it's not, is the hatred of evil, the fear of the Lord, is the hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, the way of evil, and perverted speech I hate. This is all beginning to sound like the bread and butter, the ultimate question of how we live our lives as Christians. Do you live your life as Christians with a few attendances to Christian events, with a few? Christian words slipped into the most recent conversation, at least your Christian friends. Or do you dwell in prudence and hate evil? I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles govern the earth. Wouldn't it be nice if our lives were filled with the right people to be in charge of your life? Do you realize that you are the right person for a huge number of things in your life? God has given you and delegated to you, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're a mother, you're just a single college student, God help us all. But he's given you things to be responsible for, government to rule, and and if you have a business, you have employees. you got more each step you take in life. Now, you aren't, let's be honest, none of us are going to be kings. I have a kind of a megalomania on me that all I managed to get was the mustaches. But I want to be king someday, but I'm not going to be. And you're not going to be a prince. But we govern something. And when the answer to the question, who's in charge here, is your name, you need wisdom because this is by, why wisdom? Why wisdom? We're going to get to that in a minute, what the actual point of this passage is. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice, endowing with wealth those who love me and filling their treasuries. Okay, don't go all Joel Osteen on me here. I was looking at what this was about. And I was going you see it on the left hand side, wisdom, privilege, reason, right, and are the word riches actually works pretty well. But it's not he's not promising you riches necessarily of gold might be it's but something better than gold. even fine gold. Your riches are. Just an abundance of life. You know, when you hear, you know, I was talking to Cecilia during the break, and, and her prayer request is: life is good. God's been good. Have you been wise for a stretch? You know, five days, you know, five whole days of being wise, saying the right thing to people, doing the right thing, obeying your God, you know, stuff. And it's like you're walking six inches off the deck. It's a blessing. It's a richness. It's a, it's a flat-out wonder. That's what we are offering. And until someone realizes that they must value reason, what is true, right? Because re- back in my mouth will utter truth what is right. I have to value rationality leading me to knowing what is actual. And I have to believe in the righteousness that the choices men make, the wickedness they develop, are undone by wisdom. But it's also, everyone has to my, what was, how old was Michael when she picked the speedboat over Jesus? Five or six years old. And would she ask about? Maybe you asked her whether she or I asked. I'm not sure whether if if would she want Jesus or the speedboat. And she picked the speedboat. Now oh, it's understandable at five. We might hide that choice and not pick Jesus and pick the speedboat, but rename the speedboat Jesus so that we're picking Jesus. If you think that the only thing with abundance and joy and satisfaction are the things of this world, you have to start pushing reason away because it doesn't make sense, certainly pushing righteousness away. Because it gets in the way when you're viewing it this way because your wonder is in the joy and satisfactions that a man serving his own interests will get rather than serving the interests of Sophia. Do you believe or do you see the abundant wonder in understanding? One of the things John and I were talking about yesterday was there are some people who are just into motorcycles and there are some people into working on their motorcycles. And this guy writing this book was into philosophizing about working on his motorcycle. And in some ways, you know, there are people who are hands-on sort of people who like working on machine. There are some people who just like riding around fast and but there are some people who like working because the nature of the machine is its own philosophic satisfaction. All of life is this. There is an abundant wonder that we don't understand about the world and we have to, because we didn't stop and listen, pay attention. We think that's a good enough backbeat. That's all it takes. Or if the song was danceable, or she was really cute. Whatever the pleasure of life, there is a uh, section here from 22 through 31. that's really interesting. This is the thing that stuck out to me when I was talking with uh, Kanachuku. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work. Sophia is still talking here. She is saying, God made me first. There are teachings in the New Testament, St. Paul, when he's talking about the authority of a husband in the family, etc. He has the order of creation as part of his argument. Adam was formed first and then Eve. Okay? And Sophia is coming at you and saying, I was formed first. God, if you have a view of the creation, if you want it more than just, you know, some Tim the Magician in the vacancy of emptiness going, let there be light, and there was light, Understand that this is going to help you put your view of God's creation into its better place biblically. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. What did he make? So if he is claiming he made her, she is, if it's a metaphor, she is something. If it's not a metaphor, she is something. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. This is not, wisdom is not merely extra moralities. Okay? Uh, Wisdom is not just, okay, you can't get drunk, you shouldn't write bad checks, don't lie to your mom. Those are sins. Wisdom is, you know, balance your checkbook. Check the pressure in your tires before you go on a long trip. It's all sorts of stuff. You know, don't co-sign a check. You can read through the Proverbs. It's not a sub-morality. It's the very nature of everything. Everything that is. God said, okay, we're going to get around to a creation here. What do we need to do first? The language, the system. What has got to do? It's not just got to occupy space. You know, this stuff occupies space. Wisdom had to be exist, which means that this thing occupying this space occupies it wisely against the. What if? What if your reality didn't have basic Sensible, wise rules that things shouldn't occupy the same space at the same time. Okay? God to say, okay, we're gonna make this wisely. And all of a sudden, I'm preaching up here, and all of a sudden a Volkswagen appears halfway through my body. Well, why wouldn't it? Because you would have no control of what should wouldn't make, you know, things wouldn't have to make sense. When God made the world, he made it good. He wasn't correcting anything with wisdom. He was making it with wisdom. This wisdom has reason and righteousness and wonder involved in it. In the post-fallen world, all the bent things occurred in the bending of God's good creation, and you are there to be wise to straighten it out. Now, what that lets you know is that in God's handling of what wasn't yet before he made anything, right? He made, made wisdom, which says, when I make, when there was no depths, I was brought forth, were there no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, it says, in the beginning, I was first. Then, when there was a plan, I was before the plan. I was standing next to the plan. Because he's pointing to certain things that hadn't come to be yet, but they had th- they had names. The springs, the depths, the mountains, the hills, the earth and its fields, the dust. All of that hadn't happened yet, but was going to. You know it's gonna because he points to them. And then he says, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. Wisdom, she's been here. Before whatever you can imagine, the before the creation for eternity, God had shaped a thing that was reasonable, righteous, and wondrous. And when those things started to shape into claims about what would be, reason guided him and was beside him. And when he did it, actually, when he actually built those things, she was beside him like a master workman. This is the shape. This is not a sub-morality that you just say, when I'm all done being good, I'll be wise. No. All is wisdom. This is our delight in life. Look at wisdom herself. Then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. That's the nature, if you want to talk about it as a metaphor, of Sophia and the living God. Sophia delighted in God, and God delighted in Sophia every day. It's not just whether you're good enough to have Jesus like you. Yes, you want to be liked by Jesus, but it's not just whether you have a plan to be all righteous. Do you have it this way? It's not just you're that kind of person that your stuff, your mind is always filled with thinky things. No. Is this abundant wonder? Is this righteousness? Is this reason? having this kind of response. Now look at this, he says, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing is in his inhabited world and delighting in the sons of men. You don't often get compliments from wisdom about the nature of this world and us living in it. And yet, and it sounds like it's not just the immediate, and the initial, Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, before, you know, before it got really weird. The inhabited world. This thing called wisdom still exists. Righteousness, reason, and abundant wonder still exists even in a fallen world. You see it sometimes, whether you have an artistic mind or a historic mind or a mathematical mind. You, you, you find yourself amazed at certain things. Because wisdom is there. Beyond your... And what, all I'm encouraging you to do Is to have this opportunity to delight in what you've got here. It's an amazing. I was looking at my new grandson. What's his name? Lawrence. And there's about to be some new babies here. And now the Schmitzes are going to find out what they got next coming up. This place is awash in babies. But luckily we have another Wilson. I was looking at Lawrence the other day way on the porch. Abby was sitting there. She's not big like she was. There's a baby right there. That baby moved about three feet from inside Abby to outside on the couch. It's amazing. And I don't care that much about babies but it's still amazing and in 20 years i will be drooling and lawrence will be 20 it's going to be amazing and he's going to have grandchildren god willing and hopefully he will think of the wonder of that it's not because it's baby making and it's a, women are big on it Remember, you can't look at a square inch of this world and not be amazed. Because once you start understanding that square inch, you get this awful feeling that all of it could be understood. Because this is something I saw in the end of this section, verse 31, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the sons of men. This has to do reason and righteousness And the abundant wonder is what God has done so that other agents would have that communion potential. It's because he cared that the other have it. God wasn't lacking anything. But we were. We didn't even exist. God starts to think about the nature of the communion of idea, the communion of a reality, What benefits would come to people? And then he builds a world to have that communion between people. That it be delightful. That it be right. That it be enjoyed. Verse 32 says, and now my sons, listen to me. I liked how he jumped through that. Verse 22, he created me at the beginning before anything was done. Then he started the concepts, and I was before him in that circumstance. And then when he was doing the things, I was doing it. And then verse 32 says, and now, my sons, listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Happy is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. We were talking the other night, because we don't stop talking, big house, about different restaurants and how long you are willing to wait for a table. Simple, you know, thing. How long are you willing to wait at breakfast club? What's 30 minutes? Would you wait 45? Anybody? Nobody cares. Don't you like food? I like food. Gunn would wait 45. Would you wait an hour? Graham would wait an hour. My sons, they are... uh... What does it mean? I mean, obviously it means something. If you walk into a restaurant and they say, it'll be a 12-hour wait. And you look at your wife and go, yeah, yeah, we can do that. (laughs) Now, you and your wife need your head examined. But what you cannot deny about you and your wife is that you really like that restaurant. Really. And when, I don't know what movie it was, but I think John Cusack standing in the rain outside some girl's house with a boombox over his head playing some awful song, proving something, I guess, right? Stalkers do this all the time. Lurking out some famous starlet's house hoping that she will believe in him and See the honesty of his love. Well, they're being honest. They just she doesn't like him because the restaurant has to like you back. Watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Look, you gotta if nothing else, be honest with yourself. Don't try to tell me yet you're really kind of into wisdom, unless you're waiting beside her doors. Don't try to tell me. Yeah, realize that, yeah, I, I'm, I got platitudes out the yin-yang. I can, I can quote a quotable. Sometimes it'll be Jesus. Sometimes it'll be Solomon. Sometimes it'll be Lewis. and God help you. Sometimes Chesterton. That doesn't, yeah, be honest with yourself, though. I'm not really into it. Do I want to understand this world? Because happy is the man who does who listens to him, who has this kind of persistence, I will eat at this restaurant today. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. That's really general. But both of them I think you like. You find life and favor. Kyle and I have been talking a bit for, I don't know, a bit, a while about the Lord's gifts, uh, the strength of of, of the Christian stepping into the favor of the Lord, you know, just being victorious, not just morally victorious, but knowing that God smiles on you, that you're not just in this constant state of, oops, I'm sorry, I'm so broken and such a sinner. You are, you were, he forgave you, okay? He forgave you. There's favor you can have. There is life you can have. If you miss wisdom, verse 36, he who misses me injures himself. All who hate me love death. And that's what it is. It's the turning. You've, you've heard me say that you might not be applicable here, but I, love is turning towards something. Hatred's turning away from something. The person who loves wisdom waits at her gates, waits at her doors, puts her name on the list to get a good table. Someone who turns away from it would rather be about gold and silver, or something else they find desirable. You've turned away from wisdom. It's greater than that. It's understanding all things, including the thing you desire. I have a better understanding of money if I sought wisdom first. I am the person God would trust with money if I sought wisdom first. Trust with children are a blessing, but I've seen people do a bad job of raising them. If you turn away... You injure yourself. All who hate me, Sophia, love death. Let's be grateful. Dear Lord, we're thankful for Sophia. We don't know the personification rules of the Old Testament about what would make us think that Sophia is someone in your creative, substantial um, efforts, or whether she is just a metaphor for us to learn about in the, as if she were someone. But Lord, the benefits are clear. The choices, the measurements of ourselves are pretty obvious. We'd ask that we would understand that you made the world with this, as your primary delight and tool, and for us to live in it, we need to have it. Thank you. We ask each of us for your wisdom, in your son's name we pray, amen.